Welcome back to the In the Dugout podcast. My name is Jason Ward, aka Red Sox Dugout, alongside Joey Nagel. Joey, how we doing? Doing good. <laughs> We're coming off of a a three game sweep of the Yankees, a doubleheader sweep uh, two days ago in the middle of the Twin Series right now. It feels good because the Sox are hot right now. We're back over 500, but you also, they played some bad baseball before that Yankees series against the Rockies. So I don't want to go all Red Sox are back. Let's go. It's, it's fun watching them again right now, but there's still some holes. So we have a lot to get into. Um, so it's been a little bit since we last recorded in that time, played the Yankees in Yankee stadium, took two out of three from them. Great. Uh, did not score a lot of runs in that series. However, though, pitching was phenomenal um in the bronx however we only scored three four scored seven runs total in the three games then rockies come into town and it's that was a brutal series we were just talking in our group chat um yesterday how that rocky series i think really hurt us because it was just bad baseball um at least you didn't get swept though they did win that last game in the series so that's a positive um but they did not play good baseball in that series defense was bad offense was really struggling um and then you're coming into the series against the yankees this weekend yankees come into fenway park and first game Sox score 15 runs offense explodes they win the next game uh first game in doubleheader and then they win the second game in the doubleheader to sweep the yankees minnesota last night they win nine to three offense was great again tristan casas homered so you're feeling pretty good right now you, you kind of have the Rocky series more in your rearview mirror, kind of out of your mind. Um, and, and now, right now, you're looking at a, a hot Red Sox offense. They've won five games straight, right? Yeah, five straight. And they are three games over 500. So, and a game and a half out of the wild card, third wild card spot. So, I'm feeling pretty good. Again, there's some issues, but um, right now, it, it's not too bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't say the same. I'm definitely not getting as high as earlier in the year during, you know, the eight game win streak where we really looked like a, you know, a possible playoff team. It's really hard to get super high on these guys right now because the injury bug is still going somehow, some way it's still going. We'll talk about that later, but it's it's kind of tough to see where we're going to get this depth from as the weeks get going and off days get more and more scarce. There's going to be a I, I talked uh, briefly before we started about how the roster turnover is nuts every day. We're calling up and sending down multiple guys just trying to stay alive out here, get bodies, especially in the bullpen the roster. It's ridiculous. And right now that bullpen is is really really weak you know we got this guy joe jacks out there it's 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 tough but yeah also, i feel like justin garza is pitching like every night too he's been he's been very solid i'll give him credit going back to what to how i can't get too high right now they dropped two out of three against the rockies scored i think seven runs all series or no that was the yankee series they somehow took two out of three scoring seven runs the Yankees' offense is just absolutely atrocious. Oh, the That's Yankees are garbage. <laughs> but then, you know, you feel good. Winning Sunday night, they kind of stole that game and won it in extras. You're feeling good going into the Rockies series. And you have the lead the first two games. I think you led in the first two games. 
you were tied going into the bottom of the ninth in each of those games, went to extras, and you lost both of them, um, one of which on a really, really careless error. Um, you know, the what I see with that this team is that that can still happen. Like, they could go out tonight against Minnesota and lay an egg like that, and the vibes are gone. All the momentum's gone. It's hard to... It's hard to believe in these guys right now until they get healthy. It really is because it's kind of a ticking time bomb with all of these, you know, 4A or even AAA players that are on the roster right now. All it takes is another cold spell and we're back to rock bottom. I agree. I mean, now after kind of what happened earlier in this month in that Rocky series, we've kind of seen how bad it can get. That's still part of this team's identity. That's still possible. Just because we're playing well now doesn't mean we can't stoop back down to that low. In that Rocky series, that first game that we lost, 4-3, to three, that was a game where two runs were allowed on errors and one was allowed on a walk out of the four runs we gave up. So we've seen how this team can just play bad defensive baseball and not score runs. That's still fully a thing that can happen. It's very promising to see what we're seeing lately with the offense breaking out. The pitching has been really good. However, like you said, the injuries. Chris Sale's on the 60-day now. Uh, I don't know if that was touched on in the last pod. Tanner Houck got a ball off his face. He's getting a metal plate in his face. He's going to be out for a few weeks. We don't know how long specifically. We are just talking how we haven't heard about John Schreiber in a while in the bullpen. Um, there are significant injuries still plaguing this team. Um, and the, the rotation, we are struggling to find guys to start games. Cutter Crawford starting the game tonight. He's been good. Um, I, I'm okay with him starting, but he's a guy who you kind of committed to be in the bullpen. You had to put him back in the rotation because you have no one else. And you don't even know who's going to be starting in a, a given rotation because of all the guys out. Um, on the bright side, though, there are players in that rotation who have been incredible. James Paxton has been nothing short of elite. He has been incredible since coming off the injured list. Brian Bayo has pitched himself to be like a, a future ace. Like he is showing that he can be an elite starting pitcher. Garrett Whitlock has been great. Tanner Houck was good before he got hurt. Um, so the guys who are healthy are contributing and that's helping. But like you said, it feels like a ticking time bomb. One more injury and the rotation is going to crumble. One more injury and who knows what's going to happen. Uh, it, it feels like the Red Sox are kind of just in like a glass box right now where a small thing can really kind of send them snowballing once again. Yeah. And I mean, I think the rotation has already gone by the wayside because we are out of starters. There is not a fifth starter right now. Caleb Ort started. Yeah. He was not good. First, first of all, he was not good. Um, no. But yeah, depth. That's We've talked about that all season is Heim Bloom's whole thing is supposed to be depth. And right now we're sitting with very little depth. And I, I know that you were supposed to have Nick Pavetta as a starter and he pitched himself into the bullpen. Same thing with Corey Kluber. Those are two guys you have in the pen right now who are supposed to be in the rotation originally. That's part of it, yeah. But when you look at minor league depth for starters, there's just none. Chris Murphy, credit to him, ones. he's been great in in the couple times he's come up, but he's not going deep into games. He's being used a little more as a reliever. So you don't really have starting depth in the minors. Yeah, and Nick Pavetta, we actually got to give him a lot of credit because he's been a saving grace to this team. If he, is, if he had not pitched as well as he has out of the bullpen, 
this five game win streak would not be possible. We would not be over 500 right now in his 10 games out of the bullpen, 16.1 innings pitched. He's got a 9.9 K per nine, a 220 ERA, an absolute saving grace to this team, especially with Cutter going back to the rotation, which at the time we thought, you know, he he's only going to go two, three innings so that he can go back to the bullpen. But it looks like now since we're down two starters, two quality starters, Cutter is going to have to stretch out and be. He's going to be here for a while. Starter. We got no one else yeah. coming. <laughs> and Nick Pavetta. One thing I want to say about Nick Pavetta too is he's not just being used as like a, a cleanup guy to eat up some innings. He's being used as like a high leverage reliever, and he's he's come through. So credit yeah. him for that for sure. It's been great because his stuff is playing up. He's his fastball has gone up a tick. Um, he seems to have found his breaking ball a little bit. It's good stuff out of him. Um, however, the walks are still an issue. We we saw it against the Rockies. If he walks one guy, it's not going to be a good outing. But when he doesn't walk someone, he's lights out, which is crazy. And he can eat innings. He was eating three innings against the Yankees, shutting them down. Really useful. Huge out of this bullpen. It saves us from having to use Caleb Art or Joe Jacks, whoever, <laughs> Joey McGoober, whoever's out there. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I got to give... Go ahead. It's kind of been working. The Red Sox have the lowest team ERA since June 9th in the majors with a 239 ERA. Next close is the Giants with a 279. And they also have the lowest team whip since June 9th at a 102. So in the past week or so, two weeks, they have been top of the league uh, in terms of pitching. And so a lot it's, of that it's not all bad. Very, yeah, but the starters have been doing the heavy lifting there. Um, going back to May 16th, they have the second lowest ERA in the American League out of starting pitchers. So they've turned a corner with that, which is really nice to see. It sucks that once you we were talking about it, I think two pods ago, we finally have a set five-man rotation. We had that for like a week. We did. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then Hauk takes one off the face in a 10-run game. You know, it, it's, it's just tough. unlucky. It's unlucky. There's nothing you can say. Um, but as regards to that fifth spot in the rotation – Chris Murphy actually won't be eligible to get called up for it this time around. Um, so I don't Unless know. There's an injury do. though, right? Um, I don't think so because he was optioned down. You have to wait 15 days. The reason that he came up for the double header, he was the 26th guy. Oh yeah, it was for the double header. That's right. Or he was the 27th. 27th. So so it was waived. Um. So right now, like. Who who's starting for you? I think Thursday is. Yeah, in the last game against the Twins, we don't even know who's starting for us. Yeah, like is it Kluber? Is it if they start Pavetta? I think that's a mistake because he's been so valuable out of the bullpen. They don't have anyone else. If it's, <laughs> if it's not Pavetta and you can't bring up Murphy, is it Kluber or is it Brandon Walter? Maybe even it's... Shane Brohan, who has potential to be a really good starting pitcher, but. He just got up to AAA, so you can't rush him like that. I mean, they honestly they might need to just toss Kluber out there and just say, "Hey, you, Twins, you can have this game. We don't have yeah, a guy to start." I, I I think that's what they have to do at this point. They're probably going to have to punt on that. It's a getaway day. It's whatever. If they can take care of business early in the series, it makes it a much easier pill to swallow. 
Uh, yeah, I know. mean, if we won last night, if we win tonight and the next game, and we're sitting three games, three wins in the series already, I don't care if we lose the last one. Throw that away with Kluber. Throw a position player out there for all I care. Probably going to be better than Kluber. Um, yeah. But yeah, depth in the rotation is a serious problem right now. Especially you just lost Tanner Houck. Tanner Houck would have been the guy that starts that game four. He's out, and he's going to be out for a little bit of time now uh, with the facial contusion or whatever. Um, you need depth. You need to figure this out. You need to find someone because you can't just keep piecing it together every single week until you finally get Houck back and finally get Sale back. And it, it's just not going to work. You need to figure it out. They need uh, – it's June. We can make trades. Trade. You don't need to trade uh, Marcelo Mayer for, I don't know, some top pitcher. Just you need depth. You need a guy who can go out there and start games and isn't an automatic loss like Kluber basically is. It could be a depth guy. It could trade trade cash considerations for someone. It doesn't matter. They need a starting pitcher. It reminds me of um, when they got Yolise Chessine. I feel like you just need a starter to go out there and pitch. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I actually don't necessarily agree with the trade route, especially this early, because I think it's something that they're just going to have to tough out. Because I, I think that Sale is most likely done for the year so he's not coming ah. back to you Degrom had that injury last year and he missed quite a bit of time but that's also a setback sale could be back for september but he's not coming back anytime soon well if he comes back it's a bonus like it can't be something yes, you count on exactly which sucks where you know he finally came back finally yeah. started looking like himself he was pitching like the ace he should be and this happens you know, and we're back to square one where, oh, Chris Sale, he's an added bonus if if you get him to pitch at all this year. So we're really going to have to tough out this probably four to six week stretch without Houck. Um There's nothing else you can do. You don't really have anyone ready. And I don't know if trading is the right path with this team because in the grand scheme of things, like we, we can make it a push for a wild card spot, but it's also not worth buying and going over the luxury tax or giving up valuable assets. It's just a really tough spot. And I think every fifth day in that rotation, it's going to be ugly for the next four or five, six weeks. I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not really, I'm not really looking for a trade for a big name guy a trade. That's going to even make the news in any way, really well, just a guy like who a can go out there. a trade in 2020. Exactly. That's yeah. the one that I think think about most. You know, it's a guy that needs a change of scenery. But, you know, in June, are teams really going to be willing to do that? It feels like trading know. has become exclusive to July 31st. That's at this true. Point in baseball. That's true. The only like know. teams don't trade early anymore, really. Yeah, I mean, I just think about, though, like, what if what if one more injury happens? What if something happens with Paxton or Whitlock or Bayo, and then you're just really screwed because you have no one? It's, I, I don't like the idea of just kind of living with it, living with the lack of depth, because it's very scary because it can get even uglier quick. However, I, I thought about this while you were saying that. I feel like in this kind of scenario, like you said, like, yeah, we can make a push for the wild card, but that's not really the point of the season. Like, you don't want to be buyers. So what should you be doing? Maybe give some young guys a shot. I know Chris Murphy isn't eligible to pitch um, Thursday, but after that going forward, if you still need a starter, let the dude be in the rotation. See what he's got because 
he's had success in his two call-ups so far to the majors. Let him write it out and see if he can keep that up because you want to see at some point whether these young prospects are capable of producing in the majors. He's shown some flashes of it. See if he can keep doing it consistently because you want to know if that prospect is just going to be a prospect that doesn't work out or if he's going to be a guy who can contribute for you. When's a better time than now to give him a shot? Same thing exactly. with Brandon Walter. He hasn't been called up yet, but I, so that's why I'd give Chris Murphy the nod ahead of him, but why not? Yeah, and um, I think Chris Murphy, just from a skill set, is more appealing than Walter. Walter's yeah. like a low 90s lefty kind of junk guy. Um, while Chris Murphy hit 97 his last appearance, which is nuts. 97 yeah. from the left side, pretty nasty. If he can locate that, he's going to be a big league arm. Um, but yeah, it's just a lack of depth and we had, we're starting to have pitching prospects, but they're all young. They're all in single a double a not going to see the bigs this year. Like the closest one after Murphy and Walter is Shane Drohan. He just got up to triple a he's pitched half the amount of innings that Bayo pitched at triple a and even Bayo was rushed, rushed up last year. So it's a waiting game, and it sucks because it is a bridge year, and you should be playing to see what you have for next year. That's why Hauk is still in the rotation, and that's why Whitlock is going to be a starter from here on out. You've got to see if these guys are capable. And that's the same with Chris Murphy. Um, but Yeah, like they're on thin ice. If they weren't on thin ice last week, they're, they're, they're they in the now. now. They're treading water. Like, yeah. I, I yeah, don't even know what to say. But on a positive note, Garrett Whitlock has been fantastic. Brian Bayos is he, he he's a frontline starter now. What what else can we say? Right. And James Paxson's been incredible. So the three yeah. starters, the three real starters you have, have been like I keep using the word elite because that's what they've been. If you look at if you break it down and look at the stats, James Paxton in his last four starts has posted a two twenty two ERA and 090 whip with a 189 opponent average. He's gone five innings, seven innings, six innings, six and a third, allowing one run, two runs, zero runs, three runs with eight Ks, nine Ks, eight Ks, seven Ks. He's striking guys out. He's going deep into games and he's limiting the runs he gives up. He's been incredible. I, th this is the guy that you didn't even know if he was going to pitch for the team. You, Cause you signed him last year. He misses the whole season. And you're like, is this guy even real? He comes out, he's pitching in AAA for like a month or two, rehabbing. You're like, is he ever going to actually contribute? Is he real? He comes up, and he has just been great. He has been the James Paxton that he, I don't know, used to be, if that's fair to say, in his good seasons when he was healthy. Um, and he's throwing hard from the left side, 97, 98. He is exactly what the Red Sox needed in the rotation. With all these guys going down to injuries, you needed a consistent guy. Uh, to dominate like that and he has been awesome and that's going to be great for you in two different ways it's going to be great I, a lot of people have talked about it if the Red Sox are kind of falling out of it by the trade deadline you can get some good value back for a starter like that starting pitching is always in high demand at the trade deadline and James Paxton a lefty who throws hard gets out strikes out goes deep in the gate deep into games he is going to be one of the top names on the market if you do decide to trade him and if not if you're in this thing if you want to go for the wild card then you got yourself a great starter. So it's it's a win-win in terms of James Paxson right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is something that I've thought about a lot this week, and I, I think I'm going to go back and forth on a week-to-week -week basis, but right now I think that they should trade him because 
he is he, he he's been elite he's been you know this guy if he's was healthy at the beginning of the year the first month like you're talking about an all-star um oh for sure yeah so he might be one of the hottest names on the market and teams are going to be willing as we know for pitching at the trade deadline they tend to overpay for that so if you could find a way get you know young starters major league ready prospects that would be huge um and also, you know, with James Paxton, he's 34 years old. That injury history is still there. You know, you gotta make you gotta make a decision after this year, too, being a free agent. Like, do you extend a guy who's 34 years old and has a history of breaking down? Didn't pitch at all the past two years, really. I have a hard time believing that we should commit money to him. I th- and the way that the rotation stands with the three young guys, Cutter Crawford's been great, Tanner Houck. And uh, Brian Bayo, it's tough to see James Paxton here in the long term. I think, like right now, as of June twentieth, Eileen trade because that's what maximizes the future value for this ball club. Yeah, I mean, you never know what can happen between now and then, too. So I'm, I'm just not going to pick a side. But... Healthy because true, the, the luck that this Red Sox team has had, he's going to get hurt on July twenty seventh. You know. He's going to like, yeah, he's going to like trip coming out of the dugout and break his leg or something. That's what happens with this team. But like you look at Tanner Houck, he got a ball off his face and then he got a metal plate in his face. Like this is just the luck that this Red Sox team has. The the injury uh, unluckiness that they have. Um, But yeah, hopefully he stays healthy and hopefully we get to make the decision of whether we keep him or trade him um, and not that he's just on the injured list. Um, Yeah, but uh, at this point, it's good to see those three guys in the rotation dominating. Uh, Cutter Crawford's a decent four starter, and yeah, we just, it's a it's a big problem in that five spot. Um, but on the bright side, one of our big problems before this was the offense was just dead cold. They could not get runners in from scoring position. I remember just watching games; they'd have the bases loaded with no outs. They'd have runners in scoring position with no outs, and it'd just be three straight out three straight outs, and no one would be driven home. Um, it seems like they kind of turned that around, at least right now. The offense is hot. You look at some of the guys that are leading the charge. Justin Turner is one of the most under-the-radar huge signings of the offseason across the league. He has been incredible for the Red Sox, consistent for the Red Sox. In his last seven, he's a 380 average, uh, OPS over 1,000, three homers, 11 RBIs. In, against the Yankees, Dude had six RBIs, two homers, including a grand slam. And he puts together just the most professional at-bats you're going to get. He was a great signing in my book. He's a clubhouse leader. Um, I'm loving Justin Turner more and more by the game. Yeah, and in the Yankees series, he absolutely set the tone for the offense. He set the tone early, hitting the grand slam, and they really never looked back after that. And that's huge. That's the type of stuff that he brings to a ball club, being a vet. Um, and we know what he's done taking Jaron Duran under his wing and mm-hmm. it's clearly paying off because Jaron Duran, he's busted out of that slump. You know, that's something that he was not able to do last year. And he's starting to finally prove that he is a big league player. Three doubles last night. Speed is unreal. The hustle. I love it. It's really good to see him succeed. He's been a huge part of the offense. Uh, his last 15, 342 average OPS over 900. Yeah. That'll play. 
especially oh, absolutely. With Duvall starting, you know, Duvall coming back, starting off slow. Duran's picking up the slack, and it's been huge for the offense. Don't forget, too, how Jaron Duran's defense, we talked about every week how his defense is better. He made that incredible catch out in the triangle, like in the basket um, <laughs> in center field. He wouldn't make that catch last year, so that's huge for him, too. Uh, one last thing on Justin Turner. I just want to say he leads the Red Sox in games played. So not only is he contributing at the plate, he's also consistent. And he's in that lineup most days. Um, that's huge from a guy who is essentially the leader of this team. Um, but yeah, Jaron Duran has been incredible. I believe, I'm trying to find it, he is top of the league in doubles. Alex Verdugo is second in the whole Major League Baseball in doubles. And Duran is not too far behind. Verdugo has 24. Duran has 21, which is tied. It's like tied for six. I hate the way they do their numbers. It's yeah. realistically, it's one, two, three, four. It's tied for fourth, not six. I, I hate how they do uh, it, but yeah. Another quick note on Justin Turner. We keep going back and forth, but um, if people are paying attention to what JD's doing, JD's obviously having a ridiculous year. Really good. He, really he good. was never going to do that in Boston because he's back with his personal hitting coach out in LA. He needed a change of scenery. He's and his buddy Mookie. Yeah. And I I still think it was a win-win getting Justin Turner for J.D. Martinez because Justin Turner provides the defensive flexibility. I said it in the offseason when we signed him. It, he, it's a better move for roster construction than J.D. because Justin Turner can go out. He can play third base if you need to get Devers off his feet. He can play a decent first base if you need to get Costas off his feet or if, you know, in this case, Costas, the defense – has not been where it should be on top of DHing. It provides a lot more flexibility. And that's why Justin Turner leads the team in games played. It's because he's so versatile and he can hold his own defensively. Another reason why I like JT over JD um, is I feel like JD Martinez, he was just a guy who would show up and hit. I don't really think he really carried too many leadership qualities. Uh, he was not the guy staying late in the clubhouse to talk to media. He was not, really the guy taking other players, younger players under his wing. I feel like he just kind of showed up and did his job and hit, which is good. But I think Justin Turner adds even more value that's not shown in stats um, by being a leader. He is a guy who can talk to the media. He is a guy, like you said, took Duran under his wing. He he is really a clubhouse presence, um, which is exactly what this team needed after losing Xander Bogarts and, and Evaldi. He is a guy who can be that clubhouse leader. I was thinking about this the other day. I don't know why I was thinking about this. I think MLB Network showed some guy talking to the media. And I was just thinking about how every team kind of needs that leader who's going to stay up there and talk to the media. Um, it was Bogarts for a while. He's gone. And now it's Justin Turner. And without Justin Turner, I was thinking, who would it be? Like, if we didn't sign him, who's going to be that leader in the clubhouse? Like, yeah, you can say Kike, but he kind of is more of a bench player. He's not player. backing it up. He's not backing it up with stuff on the baseball field. Justin Turner is for sure backing it up. Who else is who, who else is going to be like Duvall? Maybe he hasn't been healthy. Um, he, he just got here too. He just got here, yeah. yeah. Uh, Verdugo, I guess, but he's not really a kind of a leader. He's more of kind of like a spark plug, I'd say. Yeah, um, he Verdugo isn't the most like. I don't he's know. He's not a veteran. Like he's not a I, guy off, who's been in the, the game diamond. He keeps to himself. You know, he's got a really vibrant personality on the baseball field but off the field he's a more of a reserve type person yeah but the crazy thing with justin turner is he just got here too 
but it feels like he's been here, you know, this feels like it's his team. (laughs) Yeah. It's great though. It's great. It really worked out well. Um, Another guy who is heated up big time. That is huge for this team. Tristan Casas. Tristan Casas was so cold to start the season. We talked almost every week about, should we send him down? No, you got to give him time. You got to just ride it out, show confidence in him. And people were so upset with Tristan Casas. He had so many haters that are like, send this guy down. Bobby Dahlbeck would be better. And finally, Tristan Casas said, everybody shut up. I'm going to start producing. And he has, I, I mean, his, his on-base percentage by month, March and April, 283. May, 338. And now June, 403. In his last 15 games, he's a 909 OPS with 12 walks, 13 strikeouts. Um, he's been great. And he homered last night. It is huge to have production from Tristan Casas because it, it changes the lineup. You have that bat in the middle of the order, and when he was cold, it was it was tough. At least he was still getting on base with walks. But right now, when you have a hot Tristan Casas in that 6-7 spot in the order, it can really lengthen this lineup. Absolutely. And it's noticeably different, his confidence. You know, even in his first at-bat tonight, he's swinging early in counts. He's hitting the ball hard. Even his outs are loud outs. He's been flying out to the track, banging balls off the wall. Could have had two home runs last night against the Twins. He looks completely different out there. He looks like he's feeling himself a little more. And it's huge for this team. Like we said, bridge here. You got to figure out what you're going to get. And we were saying with Tristan Costas, he's going to figure it out. You can't send him down. He needs to figure it out at the major league level. It seems like he's taking steps in the right direction. Hopefully he keeps it up. Um, and if he can keep producing, you know, like he, hopefully this is going to keep the offense afloat and we don't go back into one of those brutal, brutal stretches that we went through the past two weeks. Yeah. I mean, this was the goal for Tristan Casas. He was your top prospect in the organization for a while. He was one of your better prospects in years. And the goal was for him to be the future, uh, first baseman. Like, you bring him up at the end of last year to see what he's got. You come into the season this year out of spring training, Tristan Casas is our first baseman. Um, You sign Justin Turner, who can play first base, but you say no. First base, Tristan Casas. Justin Turner can platoon there, but he's going to be mainly the DH. Tristan Casas is our first baseman. And you stuck with him when he was cold. You stuck with him when he was not looking like he could produce at the major league level this season and he finally breaks out hopefully he can keep going because this is the guy that we expected him to be and needed him to be um i'd also like to mention his defense has been outstanding as well he has been making some horrible throws easy looking outs he has been reaching up because he's insanely tall and he is huge by the way which works in so many ways. Um, he's picking balls. He's jumping up and tagging. The, he's been outstanding at first base defensively, which for a team where defense has been a major issue this season, that is very key to have from your first baseman. Rookie first baseman, too. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I good, mean, good, Better at hit. That's what he's been done, doing. Better at hit. There you go. Uh, I mean, look at the game last night. Tristan Casas had his name all over that. He had that two-run homer. It was a ball at his shins, and he golfs it out for a 400-foot-plus homer. 
and he's out there. The defense was incredible last night. Pablo Reyes was making some crazy plays. Tristan Casas was doing some stuff. So that's great to see from a team that has been awful defensively. Shout out Kiki Hernandez for being a big part of why. Um, I want to talk about this a little bit. This came out in between episodes. Alex Cora said to the media that Kiki Hernandez is no longer going to be the everyday shortstop. He's played. He's playing tonight at shortstop. He played the other day at shortstop, so it's not like he's banned from it. But their main goal is for him to not be the everyday guy at shortstop. So that means Pablo Reyes is going to get more looks at short. Although he was removed or scratched from the lineup today with abdominal soreness, strain, um, and Valdez and David Hamilton were both pulled from the Worcester lineup. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, I got an update on that, by the way. So Valdez is hurt. So it could be David Hamilton, which would interesting. be interesting. Interesting. I'll, I'll take it. He's fast. I'd, I'd cool. like to see it. I'd like to see him play. Speed kills many different yeah. parts of the game. So, um, but back to the whole thing that happened, the drama with Kike. Um, it it kind of, a lot of Red Sox fans kind of inferred that it wasn't really coming from Cora. It seemed more like a front office thing. The front office didn't want Kike at shortstop anymore, which is easy to agree with because the dude let the majors in errors and they're throwing errors and he just he looked awful defensively. He'd have some incredible plays, but then he'd make routine plays look uh, like he's never been a baseball player before. So it's the right decision fully in my mind. It should have happened a while ago to stop putting him at shortstop. It doesn't seem to be sticking a whole lot, but I hope that it does stick. Um, but I do want to talk about this because is there like a disconnect? Well, I'll answer my own question. Yes, there is a disconnect between Alex Cora and the front office. It's been apparent for a little bit of time now, um, and this is just kind of an example of it. I don't think that Alex Cora wanted this to happen. He likes Kike. He wants to give his his guys what they want because Kike loves playing shortstop. That's his favorite position on the field. Um, he said that in, on ESPN. But uh, I don't know. I, I feel like Alex Cora has got to see that Kike is not, the best option short i don't know but um yeah so i feel like there's definitely a disconnect between the two kind of sides of the the management of this team yeah it's it's a shame that we didn't do an episode last week because this was a lot more prevalent then um i think things are starting to really come to a tipping point in terms of that disconnect because we know that the you know Heim is ultimately the guy who's putting the roster together. He t- he factors in input from the nerds in the front office as well as Alex Cora. And, you know, Cora last week in post-game interviews was kind of complaining about the roster construction and how much turnover there has been, which is, you know, it it is ridiculous at this point that we have to send up and or call up and send down, you know, multiple guys a day, every day. It's ridiculous. Like we don't know who's on the roster on any given night, which is pretty crazy. Not and ideal. No, definitely not ideal. And some of it is unlucky because of the injury bug, but also it's just, you know, lack of depth. We don't know who's coming up. Like we have guys out there like Joe Jacks. No one knew who this guy was in spring training. And I you know, still now, barely know who he is. Yeah. We still don't know who he is. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's tough because Heim and Cora aren't gonna last forever. And I yeah. think this year might be the year 
that that decision is made. We know that Alex Cora doesn't want <clears throat> to manage for that much longer in the majors. And the lack of success outside of 2021 in the Heimblum era, I think, is really pushing ownership to make a decision which way they want to go. Do they want to go Cora route or do they want to go Heim route? And the way that I see it, which is like the easiest solution, you do what the Celtics did with Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge. You fire Heim, you move Cora to the front office, whether that's as president of baseball ops or, you know, a different high ranking front office role. I think the team could use a shakeup. And, you know, if we hit another low point this year, those talks are going to come back and we'll get another good idea of whether the problem is front office or whether it's managerial or whether it's both. You know, me personally, I'm kind of over Bloom. I think we need to find someone who's not, you know, Heim, Heim was brought here for depth. You talked about it earlier and he's failed on that part. We don't have depth. We're not churning out these guys like the Rays do. And that was what was promised when he got here. And none of that has happened. I'm not saying we need a Dave Dombrowski who's going to blow up the farm. I've got us good prospects. I'll give him credit on that part. But do we really want to stick with him for three or four more years to see these prospects reach the major leagues? Because not every one of them will hit. Yeah, I mean, the the debate between Cora or Heim, who do you fire? I, I think there's so many different layers to it. What you were just talking about with Heim Bloom, he was brought here to do the owner's dirty work of trading Mookie. That was his first move with the Red Sox. That's done. He was here to get under the luxury tax and rebuild the farm system and get some prospects. You have prospects. You have Marcelo Mayer right now, one of the top prospects in baseball. Like you said, we have some deeper pitching prospects. Like You have prospects now. You're not the worst farm system in baseball. Um, and he was brought here to get depth. We don't really have depth. He's not really <laughs> good at getting depth for this Red Sox team for some reason. So in my mind, Heim Bloom's job is done. He did what he came here to do. Now, this is a team with a lot of young guys who are trending towards future success. Look at the rotation. Brian Bayo, Garrett Whitlock, Tanner Houck, they're all young. Look at the, you just signed Raphael Devers to an extension. He's here now. Um, Tristan Casas is young. Connor Wong is young. You have younger prospects coming up. Um, he got Masataka Yoshida. Like, you got the pieces now I feel like it's time to have a GM who can really build around those pieces and get back to being a competitive team in the top of the division. Bloom has no place on this team in my mind anymore. He did his job. Now it's time to move on to someone else who can really kind of take the reins of this team and drive them to success. Because if you look at the past few seasons, or all of the seasons that Bloom's been the GM, really the only good season was 2021. Uh, otherwise, that was a bit lucky. If you think back was. to the 2021 trade deadline... Do you remember how the players were not happy with the lack of buy-in that the front office had? Yeah. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't want they, to commit all the way to the team. Yeah. They they went half in. The players were upset about it. You know, they limped into the playoffs. They had to sweep the Nationals last series of the season, and then they, they got hot at the right time, and that really overshadowed the lack of commitment from the front office, because I remember that being a huge topic um, in Boston media after the trade deadline. And this, and the same thing happened last year too. You know, they, they were half in, half out. 
completely screwed up the cap situation. Oh, last year was a mess all across the board. Yeah, yeah, but that's another point. You know, I think he did as much as he could do. And at this point, I think it's better to, you know, get under the luxury tax this year, bring in a new guy with money to spend. You get three years of going over the luxury tax. What, what, you know, high level executive wouldn't want that job. Yeah. I mean, I, it doesn't matter who you are. Like if you look at a GM and in four seasons, 2020, 2021, 22, 23, you only make the playoffs once. Uh, that's not great. And not only you're not making the playoffs, 2020 was one of the worst seasons ever. Last year was not good this year. It's, I don't know what it's going to be, but I don't. There's just no reason to keep Heim in my mind. Like I feel like for sure I would bet money that either Cora or Heim are gone by the end of the season, this off season, before next season. One of them's probably going to go, and I lean towards Heim for all the reasons I said. Alex Cora is different though. Alex Cora is a weird situation because I don't know how invested he is in this team. If we did an episode last week, it would have been titled "Fire Cora" because I was on that on that train. Um, I was very upset with some of the decisions core has been making. I don't think he's been too energetic um, as a leader of this team. We, you talked about how, or we talked about the whole Kike situation in that press conference. He said that Pablo isn't an everyday player. That was his direct quote. Uh, how does Pablo Reyes feel when he hears that? He said the roster is the roster. He's not happy with the roster construction. He's basically trash talking his boss. Heim Bloom is above Alex Cora. He's put together this roster and Alex Cora all season, justifiably though, has just talked about how awful this roster is constructed. Um, he's not super energetic. He's been making some odd decisions that I haven't agreed with. I, I talked before about how he would leave. He left Jolie Rodriguez time. I won't get over that, how stupid that was. He'll leave some guys in too long. He'll take some guys out. He uh, he t- pinch hit for Jaron Duran, who was three for three with three doubles last night. It kind of worked out, whatever. Jaron Duran's not playing today after that. I know you have different mouths to feed in the lineup, but there's just a lot of things Core has been doing that I don't really like. However, I still think Core is a great baseball mind, so that's why I agree with you. I'd love to see him in the front office. I've been on that train all season. I think that Alex Core would be great as a front office executive. He was great as a manager. He just got his 400th win with the Red Sox last night, but I think that the Red Sox could really use some new faces. Um... Along that same line, I think that we really need to clean house in terms of assistant coaching. I think Pete Fatsy, the, the hitting coach, that guy needs to go. Dave Bush, the pitching coach, yeah, pitching's been good. I don't think he's really that great of a pitching coach either, though. I think that you really need to put some new faces around this team, not necessarily this year. This year is the bridge year. You're seeing what you have from certain guys. It's going to be what it's going to be. But next season, I think you're setting yourself up to kind of go for it. And so this offseason is going to be big with who you bring in. And I think that if you bring in some new coaches, some new faces uh, in that in that dug, dugout, I think it would go a long way for this team. Um, so long story short, I think the answer is what I would do if I was the owner, if I had power. Heim Bloom's out. Alex Cora to the front office, either as the GM or maybe the assistant GM to start out, something like that, um, and then bring in a, a new manager with his own pitching coach and hitting coach. Um who is that new manager? I don't really know. I really like the idea of former players, like most managers are former players, but like former players who are close to still playing the game. Like Alex Cora played with Justin Turner. He's been close to playing with some of these guys. He played with Dustin Majoria when he was still on the team. Um, so uh, a manager like that, I think would be really good. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, you you basically touched on all points right there. It's it's a really weird situation, as you said, a lot of layers to it, and it's June. It's it's really tough to forecast this. <laughs> it is June, <laughs> you know, especially with how up and down this team has been. You know, we were in the we were in the gutter last week. We wanted everything. We wanted to cancel the season, everything blown up. And then all of a sudden we're on a little five game win streak here. It's a weird episode to do because of that. It's a very yeah, different vibe well, in the past. I two mean, weeks. it's just right now. I am just cautiously optimistic, but also strong hints of pes- pessimisticism. Pessimisticism. Yeah. Um, pessimisticism. I, I like, see my thing is I wouldn't call the socks hot right now. They're not cold. They're like warm. You they're know, lukewarm. They're yeah. lukewarm socks. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know. It, you're you're right. It's June. Who knows what's gonna happen? We could end up in last place. We could end up winning the World Series. I don't think that'll happen. But who knows? It's too early to call some of those shots. It, it's it's good to start talking about it. But there's a lot of season left to happen. Um, maybe last week with that rocky series and that and that really bad team that could be a thing of the past. Maybe they play relatively well from here on out. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. Um, one thing I do know though is if they're wearing the yellow jerseys, they're winning everything. They're winning the World Series. They're winning the division. It don't matter. They're nineteen and four in those yellow jerseys, which is crazy. Yeah, it's it it makes no sense. But shout out to them for wearing them both games of the doubleheader. Yeah, needed. Brian that. Bayo wanted to. The broadcast wouldn't show up about it, but they were like, yeah, Brian Bayo wanted to wear the yellow uniform, so he talked to, uh, he thinks he looks better in them, he pitches better in them, so he talked to the clubhouse manager and they wanted to wear him again. Um, that ESPN broadcast is so infuriating, by the way. Oh my God, it's so bad. And they would not shut up about how Aaron Judge is injured. They're like, well, this is a totally different Yankees yeah, team without dude, Aaron Judge. This it. offense is totally different without Aaron Judge. Well, they're, they're right. I mean, the Yankees <laughs> absolutely bad. suck without him. But still, like it's ESPN. Nothing yeah, changes. They bring it. They bring in new guys, and it's the same. Like David Cohn is doing it, and yeah, he played for the Red Sox and the Yankees. But his week, his job during the week, he works for Yes. And then they also have the K Rod broadcast. Yeah, like spare me, spare me. Also, get Red Sox Yankees off Sunday Night Baseball right now. These two teams are not worthy. They build up the rivalry like it still matters every single time. Like they had it on back-to-back Sundays, and they're like, they do the same thing. They're like, um, in 19, blah, 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 Babe Ruth, he was with the Red Sox, and then he goes to the Yankees, and Babe Ruth, If we're still talking about Babe Ruth on a weekly basis on a nationally televised baseball broadcast, what are we doing? He's so relevant at this point, and that's like the least relevant thing connected to the Red Sox-Yankees at this point. That was like 100 years ago or more. Oh, also, shout out to Nestor Cortez for being an absolute clown. <laughs> Th- thank you. It's he, he did the uh he did the Aaron Judge boombox from 2018 by you know saying, "Oh, the Red Sox aren't what they used to be." What an idiot. How's 5 out of 6 taste, bud? Nestor. <laughs> yeah. Uh that Yankees team is funny because they, they are like, garbage. Billy, like Billy McKinney is playing every day now. Yeah. You're talking about players who were DFA'd from their past. Jake Bowers has been one of the worst major league baseball players in his career. You have Willie Calhoun as your three hitter. Uh, He had some success, but Willie Calhoun, Billy McKinney, 
Jake Bowers, DJ LeMay, who sucks. Josh Donaldson, oh. all he does is hit homers every couple weeks. He oh doesn't do much. Oh, my God. Donaldson, is, Donaldson has been brutal. He's Anthony cooked. Rizzo hasn't gotten a hit since 2013. Hey, they haven't uh they haven't liked to talk about this, but Anthony Volpe still trying to figure it out in the majors. Not they even that good. Rushed him up. And also Aaron Hicks, now a Baltimore Oriole, going off. Yep. He's like a man possessed. All he what does is, is it with former he's very, teams dude, with former players? The, or, whoa. Straight up, Yankees are not fun to play for. Don't go there. No, but it's not just him. Like it feels like every player across the major leagues who played for a different team. Is just going off now. Cody Bellinger, Gary Sanchez, Hicks. What is like Franchi Cordero did for a tiny bit too, just a tiny bit, just a tad. Nathan Valdi, Michael Walker have been incredible. I mean, that's because they're good at baseball, but still. Christian Vas- Vasquez, though, he has not been that great. Uh, he had his first homer of the season last night. Um, good that for was him so funny. It, but... it was a wholesome moment. It felt good for him. It was. It felt weird. I had the game yeah. up, but I honestly thought, like at the time, I was like, "Oh no, they tied the game." But the Sox are probably still going to win this because the Twins suck. But good for Vasky. Good for him. Yeah. yeah, good for him. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's so funny that we're in last place. This is obviously it's been big on social media. The last place Red Sox play the first place Twins, but the last place Red Sox. Have a better record. Over five hundred, and the first place Twins are two games under five hundred. Yeah, it's weird. The whole uh, division thing yeah. is is wild. Um, yeah, so speaking, I I still quick. think it's so dumb. Like last place is not a chirp for the Red Sox anymore. Like look yeah, around when we were league. three games over five hundred, last place doesn't mean anything. Like if we we're like yeah. the A's and, and just abysmal, I'd be like, yeah. And yeah I love no that Seliger and Maz are like they're in last place. Who cares, dude? They would be in. <laughs> They would be in second place, third place, or even first place. Yeah, in every other division around the league. So they're a game and a half out of the wild card spot. Like they're not actually yeah. like the definition of a last place team. Um, speaking of players with other teams, did you see Ryan Brazier is back in the big leagues with what? the Los Angeles Dodgers? Are you? No way. They I called him up like that. an hour or two ago. It just happened. He is back. He had like three outings in AAA, and they're like, yeah, we need this guy. The Dodgers are going to work their magic in 2018. Oh, my God. Ryan Brazier is going to be Mariano Rivera for him. He's going to be insane. I don't know. I I don't know how that – no one works harder than that dude's agent. The fact that he's back with a Major League Baseball team after what he's done the past few years, this year included, is just unbelievable. I don't know. Maybe the Dodgers are trying to reassemble the 2018 Red Sox. That's what it seems like. I mean, you get – who do they got? They got JD, Mookie, Brazier. Um, they had David Price for a bit. What's he up to these days? Retired. Is he? Shout That's out to David Price. Yeah. I, w- I rode with him through thick and thin. People didn't like him, but I did. I did. I love David Price. David <laughs> Price is good. Man, I miss that era of Red Sox baseball. I, mi- I miss the David Price is good graphic every time he started. Yeah, that was fun. That, that shirt. Yeah. SeatGeek is the best ticket provider for all sports, concerts, shows, and more. They make buying tickets easy by grading every ticket price so you know you're getting the best deal, and they provide a view from your seat so you can pick the perfect seats to any event. And you can get $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek by using the promo code DUGOUT. 
Uh, that's D-U-G-O-U-T. Go watch the Sox. Go watch the Sox. Um, say what you want about the team. Games have been fun to go to. I've gone to a couple. The one I just went to, I mean, it was good and, and bad in different ways. I went to the um, the last game in the Rockies series that was delayed two hours by rain. Didn't enjoy the rain delay. You get there, and it's, like, not really raining. They delay the game. You're like, why is the game delayed? And you go into a, some bar or something to wait, and then all of a sudden it's pouring buckets, and the sky's exploding. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, but they start that game. They started at 9. That place was still packed. Credit to uh, credit to the um, Fenway Faithful, Faithful for showing out and being loud. I think, did Adam Duvall just hit a homer? Yeah, Adam Duvall just homered. So... so you love to I see saw the it. tweet before I saw it, but uh, I did put money on that to happen, so that's pretty cool. Nice. There you go. I was waiting for that. I knew Adam Duvall was going to hit it. I've been hit, <laughs> betting Adam Duvall home run for like two weeks straight. Uh, finally, he does it. Um, yeah, so that's cool. Sox up one to nothing right now. Any other thoughts on the uh, the Boston Red Sox here? Um. Oh, I mentioned the whole yellow jerseys thing. I do still don't understand why people are upset about them. Every time that they wear the yellow jerseys, there's always someone in my comments like, stupidest jerseys in sports. Just because it's the color yellow. Like, like they're, they're the red socks. That's the color yellow. Like, great. You know your colors. So does the kindergartner. They're wearing yellow because it's the Boston Marathon colors. And they look cool and they play cool in them. All right? Let's relax. Yeah, if they win, then sh- Shut up. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if we were like 0-20 in them, I'd be like, okay, maybe they're not the best. Yeah, no, hey, if they were like the players' weekend jerseys, remember players' oh weekend? Oh, my God, yeah, rip them off the players. Yeah. But they're good they're... in them. I don't get it. Yeah. I'm trying to I... find this one guy. Where I don't know. Um, he. We should he be allowed so to wear mad. them on the road. Yeah, we should be able to wear them everywhere. I can't find this guy's comment, but he was all upset about the yellow jerseys. Like, stupid jersey, stupid city. I don't know. Yankees fan. It's probably a Yankee fan. They're just upset that they lost to their last place Red Sox. Although, are we in last place anymore? I feel like we're not. Yeah, are we? we are. We are? By like, we're like game, half a game, something like that. That shows how little it matters. Yeah. yeah we just swept the Yankees, and they're in third place. So, if we win tonight... Uh, and the Yankees lose, then we'll be in third place. And the Blue Jays. The Yankees even playing. Yeah, Yankees are they're up three to one against the Mariners, but we'll see. I feel like every team is like right around five hundred. Yeah, a lot of. It's weird in the AL, especially a lot of teams are just mid. Yeah, like the Astros are thirty nine, thirty four. The Mariners are at five hundred. The, the Phillies are a little over the four games over 500. It's the Rangers, the Rays, the Orioles, and that's it. The Reds have the same record as us, and they're in first place. Yeah. We got them right. The Reds should be thanking us. They, they like, haven't lost <laughs> since they played us. Yeah. Take full credit for that. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the In Dugout Podcast. Um, let's hope these, these socks stay lukewarm, uh, and don't cool off Uh, until next time. Thanks for listening. Peace.